Welcome, I'm Gina Marcello. And I'm Valerie Raffetto Manfredini. And we're here to talk about the life, the culture, the people, the tourism in Italy. Italian style. Italian style. Yeah, yeah I like that. Uh, we'll Italian see. style. Mm-hmm. So this is our first podcast, and we wanted to tell you a little bit about ourselves and introduce what we will be discussing over the next very many episodes. So a little bit about me. Um, I'm a professor of media and communication. I've been a professor for over a decade now, and I study the effects of the mass media on individuals and look for ways to use production to help with how students cognitively process information. And one of the things that I've really been thinking about about a lot lately is how the mass media and social media, digital technologies are affecting and influencing our quality of life and how happy we are. In fact, the United Nations put out a report called the World Happiness Report in the past year, in 2019, and they show that happiness levels around the world have actually dropped mm-hmm. over the past 10 years. And one of the things that they looked at was digital media use. This is important to me because, as Valerie knows, over the past five summers, I've had the great opportunity to visit Italy five times and even bring students with me on a study abroad experience for three weeks. And we're here to talk about the value of traveling to Italy and spending some real quality time there and why you might want to visit Italy and go to some of the smaller villages in addition to some of the larger cities. So that's a little bit about me, Val. Tell a little bit about you. So I am a New Jersey girl. I was born and raised in Spring Lake, which is on the ocean. I went to Italy, or Europe, I should say, for 10 months backpacking through Europe, and I met a nice Italian boy, and I married him. So I moved to Italy, and we opened up a B&B and a tour company, and we have three children. And one thing I can say definitely, especially my youngest, who is 20 now, really notices the difference between the friendships, the quality of the friendships that he has in Italy compared to the ones he has in America because of the social media, the digital time that they spend. Um, In Italy, they definitely spend less time fooling around on uh, the phone or the computer or the games that they play, like the Xbox or whatever. Right. And they're outdoors more. Right. And that's really the the impetus for having this podcast because we want to provide people information about some of those smaller remote villages, especially in northern Italy, that many people have not heard of. There was a a report that was produced, I think, last year that said the people that live in Liguria, did I say that properly? You sure did. Live longer than any other region in Europe. So we're really going to focus on this part of Italy, the Emilia-Romagna region, the Parma region, the Lungorian coast, and talk about 
the culture there and comparing and contrast it to what life is like in the United States and some of the real benefits beyond just being a tourist that visiting these areas really can have on the person who's experiencing them. Very nice. I agree. They're much nicer than the big cities, or should I say not, maybe not nicer, but more authentic. The big cities are catering to tourism, and so everything is geared towards the tourist that comes, whereas these small little villages live life for themselves, and what they have to offer to their people is also offered to everybody that comes to visit. That comes to visit. Yeah. And and a lot of the touring companies don't have the ability to bring visitors to these smaller villages because they're not really set up for huge, large tour groups, which is the type of experience that most people have. And not that there's anything wrong with those touring groups, but you don't really get the same experience of the Italian culture is if you were to do a smaller group, if you were to really stay in some of the smaller communities to experience what life is like there. And I believe as a college professor, there is so much value in that because I find the students today are so connected to their devices that being able to take a break, a digital detox is important for resetting them. It helps with mental health. It also gives them a different perspective to understand that there is really a different way that you can live your life. The way that we do it in the United States isn't necessarily the, it's not the only way, but it isn't necessarily the better way or the best way. And how could um, a young person possibly know that without actually experiencing it themselves? In another way. In right. another way. Absolutely. So one of the things, there's eight. I, there's an article that I read and it said there's eight ways that the Italian lifestyle teaches you to appreciate life more. And it lists taking a proper lunch break, which we're going to talk about. <laughs> Number two, talking, talking, and more talking. Oh, yes. <laughs> Eating a Mediterranean diet. Drinking a lot of coffee. Celebrating beauty. Hmm. Taking an evening, is it passeggiata? Passeggiata. Passeggiata, yes. a walk. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. taking a stroll. And valuing family time. So today we're going to talk about these things and compare and contrast the United States to what life, the Italian lifestyle is like. So in the larger cities when you are on tour, let's say of Rome or Venice or Milan, is there such a thing as the proper Italian lunch break as you might experience in a town like where you, you're from in Italy, um, Bedonia? Absolutely not. No? No. All the shops stay open all day long. In the big cities. In the big cities. This is because the tourists are there and they'll be shopping during lunch breaks because the tourists are not used to sitting and having a two or three hour lunch. So the Italians have adapted to that um, type of lifestyle. In the larger in cities. In the larger cities and have started to keep their stores open during the lunch hour and also um, on Sundays, which in my little town and many little villages along the way, they are closed on Sunday and they cherish that day. 
and they are closed from 12.30 to 3.30 in the afternoon. Okay, so let's talk about that 12.30 to 3.30 break where where a lot of those stores, not the restaurants, but the stores do close. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about what my students experience during that break time. And I want you to talk about, Val, when you first moved there, what that experience was like for you. Okay, sure. So what was it like when you first got there and you were trying to get things done over the course of the day and everything's closed? Right. So for me, in the beginning, it was a living nightmare (laughs) trying to get um, supplies for the mason or, you know, the plumber or whatever. I was always running errands for them so I didn't get them out of the house because once they left the house, they'd stop and meet somebody in this town and stop for a drink and they'd disappear for an hour or an hour and a half. So I was always running into town to get the things that they were missing. However, at lunchtime, they always left and they were gone for a good hour and a half or two and it would drive me crazy because I think, what are they doing like around here if they stop for lunch, it's for a half hour. And I would run into town to try and get something done, and everything would be closed. I'd be like, oh, my God, it was driving me crazy. But, of course, and my husband, being Italian, was always saying, calmati, calmati, which means relax, calm down. You know, the American wants everything done now or yesterday. And I was definitely all about that. So... Getting into that flow of things was very hard for me. But once I did, I absolutely cherish that now. Do you think it has um, the fact... So you, I remember you telling me when the, when the kids were in school that they would come home. That's right. And how long was the lunch break? For elementary school, it was two hours. And so they would come home and they were only five minutes up the street. And they'd have literally two hours to say, stay home, hang out with the family. Uh, you know, my husband's shop would close my mother-in-law would be home, everybody would have lunch together. And that is the family meal. It certainly is not at dinner time. It's not. No, because at dinner time, young children go to bed early. Italians don't usually eat till seven or eight because they're busy working until that hour, traveling to get home or whatever. And um, a heavy meal at night is really not good for the digestive system. So we would eat a lighter meal and at dinner time at dinner time and the heavier meal at lunchtime yes that's quite a shock for a lot of people that visit Italy that that have the opportunity to go to the smaller communities to eat a heavier uh, lunch because we tend not to do that we're always in such a rush that's right in the United States but I believe that is one of the reasons why the Mediterranean diet is actually better not just what people are eating but when they're eating and how much they're eating at different times a day Um, That taking a proper lunch break as part of the Italian culture, I think, is important to experience not just one day, but a couple of days because now you start to realize, okay, we're all sitting here having lunch. What are we doing while we're having lunch? We're not just eating. That's right. But the number two thing is we're talking. We're talking, we're talking, and we all know that Italians love to talk. That's for sure, even with their hands. (laughs) (laughs) So what what role do you think that that interpersonal communication and talking – um, has to do, like, how is that different? How is the interpersonal relationships in Italy, in the smaller communities and towns, different than the interpersonal relationships in the United States, especially today? Well, um, for one thing, when you go out 
for a meal with a friend or a group, you are not rushed from your table to have another table sit and be served. So once you're in, you're in and you can stay for two or three hours. Nobody chases you away. And very often, if it's the end of the day and they're closing up, they'll be sweeping up around you, but they would never, never, never bring you your check until you asked for it. So you really get a chance to delve into a conversation and and get more meaning into it. It's not something rushed. Mm, I think that's really nice. So the depth and the quality absolutely of the time is different. That's right. Would you would you say that time passes differently in places like Bedonia? Well, it's more relaxed so you don't feel stressed and so time doesn't rush away from you where when you are running around trying to get everything done and you only have a certain amount of time in between whatever you're doing, time sort of disappears before you know it and you don't really savor the moment that you're in. Savoring is so important. And I think it's one of the things that we're losing. We're losing even the desire to want to savor simple, small pleasures. I think it's because we don't realize how wonderful it is because we've forgotten or our children have no idea because they've never even experienced that. They haven't experienced that. Mm-mm. What do you what do you mean they haven't experienced it? You know, the digital world has been around now for 15, 20 years yeah. and our kids pretty much grew up with that. So, I'm lucky because I was in Italy, my kids were growing up there. I didn't give them anything electronic until they were in high school. So um, they did have that period of time where we were sitting at the table and Sunday lunch was a three-hour ordeal. But, you know, like an American might think, oh, my God, it's a nightmare. I'm still sitting at this table. But the, the Italian kids love it. They sit around, they chat, they tell stories. You know, the parents, the grandparents, they all get involved and it's more of a family affair. A family affair. Even what would you say about neighbors? How are, in terms of talking to the neighbors and being part of the community, how is that different? Well, the neighbors are um, always very present and willing to help out if you need something. If they hear, oh, I even just, they see an ambulance pull up in front of your house or whatever, the very next day, if it was in the evening, they'll come over and see if you need anything, who was sick, what can they do for you. That's really nice. A lot of people here, not that they don't care, but they don't want to disturb you. They don't want to be nosy. They don't want to interfere. And so they just let you be. But in the long run, that's kind of like they don't really give a crap. makes you feel like they don't really care, which is probably not the case. But they don't want to step out of that realm of, oh, I don't want them to think I'm being nosy. Right. I guess there's very strict, more strict boundaries around uh, American culture. Not not that the Italians don't have boundaries, but I think there's there's an expectation. They're not even an expectation. It's just how people are raised there, I've realized over the years visiting, that people are genuinely happy to see you. They genuinely, you're, it's, it's, it's as if you're part of an extended family yeah, that's in the true. community. And I know having visited Bedonia many times, it was always so nice for me to see 
the shop owners, when they knew uh, we were coming, they had a little Italian and they had American flags. Yeah, in the window. Cutouts in the window. Yeah, yeah. and that really was so lovely and such a different experience than having been, I mean, Venice is beautiful, Florence is beautiful, but being rushed through the museums and the it was and shuffling along with all the other tourists and stuff yeah it's totally different prices are different and you know they're catering to the tourist in the big cities what's neat about uh the small little towns also i'm sure you'll agree is that they remember who you are from one year to the next i mean you know you might be there for a week and you go back the following year and they're like oh so nice to see you but if that happened in a city they would be like who the heck are you they don't even remember you yeah sometimes I go into my own town here in New Jersey I've lived here all my life come back every year okay I've been gone for 20 of those years but I come back every year I go into town even the stores that were there when I was a child they have no idea who I am and it's alarming because it's a small little town and you know, when you say hi to people, they look at you like, who the heck are you? You know, yeah. in, in my little town in Italy, they say hi to you, even if they don't know who you are. They're happy to, you know, to see you. Yeah. Yeah. So the next thing on the list is eating a Mediterranean diet. Yeah. We're going to talk more in depth over the episodes about each of these things and highlight different uh, places to go, like the Parmesan Reggiano Cheese Factory. But I just broadly tell, talk about the Mediterranean diet in terms of, you know, the tomatoes, the fresh tomatoes, the olive oil, the fruits and vegetables, and how really a lot of the food in the smaller communities is farm to table. That's right. Well, for one thing, um, all of the food is most of the food is grown or produced in Italy and it is not force grown or picked early. You know, I know that when I was a kid, I remember my mother saying, oh yeah, they picked those oranges, they were green and they spray paint them, you know, so that they ripen in the truck on the way to its destination. Mm -hmm. And it seems so normal because that's what we grew up with. Right. And then I find out what what do you mean I can't get an orange? It's it's not the season? What? What does that even mean? Mm-hmm. Because here you can get an orange any season of the year, right? Because there's always a way of force growing it or shipping it, shipping it mm-hmm. or whatever. So the quality of the fruits and vegetables are so much more... Um, delicious delicious and vivid. <laughs> they are. I know. They, they really are. Because you can legitimately pull it from the tree yeah and eat it right off of the tree right and not worry about oh god are there pesticides on this right most most of them don't use pesticides right although they can't they don't call themselves organic uh we do have organic as well but it's just amazing how the apples are crunchy and sweet and juicy and the prune the plums and the the peaches are just juicy even if maybe you look at them and you say it doesn't look so good it's exquisite I've never cut a tomato open in Italy and said it looks like cotton (laughs) because here it has happened where you cut it open it's not red inside there's a lot of white going on there and I think okay I don't even know what's going on there and I don't think I want to eat that but it doesn't have any flavor right has no flavor Right. right 
Instead, in Italy, you can cut a tomato and eat it as is, like an apple, without even putting anything on it. Let's just talk about the pasta for a second. Let's talk about that. The pasta is fresh. Yes. Do the restaurants even use box? Yes. I would imagine some restaurants do. Most make their own pasta, and that's usually done daily. Mm -hmm. Um, Some do it weekly because, you know, their pastas depends on the volume of whatever. But um, it's, you know, people that have intolerances to gluten and stuff, they almost never have those problems when they're eating in Italy because the gluten hasn't been processed as much as our gluten here, our flour and uh, stuff. You know, it's just a different quality. Different quality of food. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about coffee? Let's talk about the oh, uh, the Italian, Italian coffee. Yeah. So drinking a lot of coffee, I mean, some that, that's sort of debated because of the, um, the highly caffeinated espresso. But surprisingly, cafe, uh, the caffeine in espresso is a lot less than the American coffee. Is that right? It is. Nobody really believes that because the taste is so much stronger. But the way that it's percolated, it goes through the filter very quickly. So it takes the flavor and leaves part of the caffeine behind. Mm. Whereas the American coffee brews slowly. It's a drip. And so it has more time and it pulls more caffeine with it. Mm-hmm. That, and that's with the mocha pot? That's with the mocha pot, yep. Mm-hmm. And yep. it's also with the little things at the bar that you hook them on. Oops. Oh. <laughs> you know, you hook them on to their little machine and the water runs through it real quick. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. What about um, being proud of local culture? Do you believe that people are proud to be from the Parma region, Bedonia? Absolutely. And if you ask somebody, where are you from? They will gladly tell you that their place is the best place in all of Italy. And not just in my place, but in every little town, everybody feels the same. I mean, it's just they're very proud of where they're from. They're proud of their food. And they're proud of their um, their laid-back culture. Mm. How about um, celebrating beauty? Beauty, the arts... Yeah, there's a lot of um, architecture and artwork and beautiful women. I'm one of them. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah. You know, there's a lot of just walking through a small little town like Bedonia, which is, you know, from Roman times, actually. It's very old. There's always something beautiful or amazing to see. Beautiful gardens, flowers on their balcony, the architecture, um, the artwork that they cherish in their little churches or in their little museums. Why do you Why do you think that is? Why do you think uh, all of these years there's bit there's such an appreciation for beauty and beautiful things in Italian culture? That's interesting. I never really quite thought of that. Um, I think for one thing, the Medici family, uh, really had, uh, a good hand in helping the Italian culture cherish the artwork because they, and the literature, because they really, um, pushed that and encouraged that and, and 
made that very vivid and available to the population. I think part of it has to do with the the more the quality of life in Italy that it's a little slower and because things are not taken at a breakneck speed that you actually do have the opportunity to be present and to slow down and to appreciate what's around you and I think it's only possible to appreciate beauty when you are slowly when you've you're sort of centered and you're open and want to be present in whatever moment that you find yourself in as opposed to rushing from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. That's very true. Yeah. What about the evening walk? That that is a big thing in Italy, especially in the small towns. Mm-hmm. They go out for a stroll after dinner or before dinner for their aperitif where they go down into town walk around, maybe run into some friends, stop for um, a little drink, be it a white wine or a fruit juice or something of that sort, and they sit and they chat. Um, But it's also a way of getting just that little bit of exercise, being outdoors and getting some fresh air. One of the things that Manny and I used to do um, when the kids were small because we were on a budget. We couldn't afford to go out like on dates all the time. So our date night would be, let's walk into town and grab a tea and we'd sit and chat maybe at the bar or um, afterwards we would go and walk around town and just gaze at the stars and chat. And even in the winter we did that. That was really very nice. It's very nice. Um, I think I heard Manny say that those are the social moments. His favorite social moments. His favorite thing to do is to just spend time and to be quiet, which really does take me then to valuing family time. Talk about what it was like raising your three children in Italy, in Bedonia. And, uh, you know, did you worry about them going out? How did they make arrangements to do things with their friends what what was that life like well when they were little um obviously you my I and my friends or their friends parents would make uh, arrangements to have them hang out together but as they got a little bit older and not much older because by the time they were eight or ten they were allowed to go into town on their own even in the evening if there was an outdoor festival or something and hang out with their friends at eight and 10, eight and 10. Um, yeah. And the town is two blocks from our house. So it wasn't far. There's a sidewalk. So I didn't have to worry about traffic. And then all the town's people were out and their friends were out and it's just the locals. So I always felt very safe. Uh, my 10 year old daughter's curfew was 10 o'clock at 10 years old and And that was common her friends were allowed to stay out till midnight really yeah I couldn't do that but like when I was 18 my curfew was 10 p.m so here in the United States in the United States so So for me a 10 year old (laughs) coming home at 10 yeah well one time no she was never upset she was very excited that she would get to go out and hang out with her friends but one time she was at the trout festival it's been 
Now it's been 67 years. Every year they have this trout festival in August. So she asked if she could go to it, and I said yes, but you have to be home at 10. So she left around 7.30, and she went downtown, and she stood in line with her friends while they were waiting for the opportunity to buy what they wanted for their meal. Then they get their little ticket, and they went back to their table, and they had to wait for the waitress to come and get their ticket to go and order their food. And by the time 10 o'clock rolled around, they had not been served yet because... It was so crowded. Wow. So Veronique came running home and she said, I didn't even get to eat because the food didn't come yet. And I said, oh, for heaven's sakes, you could have stayed longer. I didn't want to be late. You know, Aww. she was very conscientious. And uh, and so the following year, she was allowed to stay out a little bit later. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Okay. Um, so... This is the first episode. We are going to go on a journey together and with our listeners and really explore the nooks and crannies of the Emilia-Romagna region, as well as some of the other very famous tourist sites and talk about them and compare and contrast them with the hope that maybe if you're listening, you might be interested in coming and visiting and spending some time and learning about the culture and detaching from the technology for a little while and give yourself the opportunity to live like an Italian. Yes, to live like yeah, an Italian. Because it really is special. Thanks. <laughs>